Our guest, Anna Maria Larson, has helped numerous senior executives rediscover and fully appreciate their own innate gifts, talents, and passions. Anna Maria is the founder and managing partner of Luminous Partners, LLC, a leadership coaching, executive search, and strategic consulting firm. She started her career as a retained executive search consultant. Her clients include Fortune 500, small and mid-sized companies, nonprofit organizations, and individuals. Anna Maria has provided coaching to executives of all levels. However, her greatest strength is working with senior level executives. Many of her clients have already had stellar achievements throughout their careers, yet are seeking a new direction, personal fulfillment, or perhaps a capstone opportunity to achieve a personal objective. She feels as if coaching is very personal and her unique style and approach are derived from a lifetime of unique experiences. Anna Maria holds a bachelor's degree from Trinity University in Washington, D.C., as well as a certificate in organizational leadership and not-for-profit management from Harvard University. Additionally, she holds a postgraduate certification in leadership coaching from Georgetown University and is credentialed by the International Coaching Federation. Thank you for joining us today on this special edition of Leader to Leader. Welcome, Anna Maria Larson. We are so happy today to have an expert in our studio. Thank you, Anna Maria, for joining us on this episode of Leader to Leader. We are going to talk about a couple of different things during a series of three podcasts. And I would like for our listeners to understand something. And let me ask a question off the top of my head. Sometimes we think of leadership as a checklist of what you're doing. I think we've moved away from that. I mean, our basics are basics. When you look at leaders and the top leaders that you have done executive mentoring, executive coaching for, can you share where we're at in leadership, what you've done, And again, the years that you've worked with these people, they have already achieved something, but it's more. What is the more that you help leaders do? That's the question. What a a really beautiful way to frame your inquiry. And let me start off by saying that we are living in very exciting times in terms of this discovery of how we bring ourselves to our work Mm. versus what we do. And I think there's that lovely contrast that you just explained. So it's not so much what you do as how you do it. Mm. Let me explain for a moment, if I might, Mm -hmm. this convergence of this yearning to discover how we can, in our world, started with be faster, be more efficient, work smarter, and that direction has popped for us, that if we just stay on that path, that leads us to more stress, more Mm. burnout, more turnover. Mm -hmm. And what we're discovering is less output less innovation. What's happening is this search 
and discovery of bringing the whole person to their work. And if you take a look at the literature today, you listen to the podcasts, you take a look at what neuroscience is telling us, this convergence of science, philosophy, spirituality is converging so that no matter what branch you talk about, using different nomenclature is the same exact thing. Okay, that's a lot of fluff and a lot of words. <laughs> the best way to say it succinctly, which is sometimes very difficult for me to do. And me too. <laughs> yeah, is that the work that I do and the work that I am seeing my clients, those that are attracted to me, is not the quantitative side of leadership, but the qualitative side. And the qualitative side, meaning the whole person, body, mind, emotions, mm -hmm. and spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's what we call authentic leadership, mm -hmm. is coming from that part of ourselves that we have access to the best that our mind has been trained to do, to relating to the emotional body and being able to regulate that in a balanced way hmm. and to feel deeply present in the body in a relaxed state, even though one is in the midst of a crisis. So if we could go back to something on this podcast, we've talked to several leaders that have been in crises that have been, they go back and say, I can't even remember what I did in that moment because they had to react. And I do want to go back to that sentence that you just did and tease that out a little bit when you said present, because sometimes my mind goes in 50 billion different ways. And I feel as if it gets away, right? The main thing that I want to do. So when you said be present, how do you do that in a crisis? What does that mean? That's not on the checklist. So can you explain that a little bit? So it isn't on the checklist because one has to shift from one's awareness to the external world, the worries, the demands, and the stresses, and literally step into a spaciousness of presence within each of us. I suspect that if you were to interview leaders that you really admire, that they would share with you this ability to step into their true self. Now, it doesn't mean that their heart isn't beating fast. It doesn't mean that they don't feel, you know, electricity in their body, but they have a clarity and it allows them, it gives them the space to make a choice, be proactive versus, to your point a moment mm -hmm. ago, react. Okay. True leaders, do not react. Mm -hmm. They make a choice. They're aware of the myriad of opportunities out there. When they're in this presence, they are able to access the best of their creativity. And we've proven this in neuroscience. Mm -hmm. But it is a, a stepping into the space. It's a shift. We, a lot mm -hmm. of us use the word shift. Mm -hmm. It is literally a visceral shift into that sense of, okay, I got this. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I can handle this. And it, and sometimes we discover it, not even aware of it until we step into it because we're in a crisis and in a stressful situation. The work that I do creates the ability and the practice for that person or individual to walk in that as often as possible until it becomes the predominant habit mm. of how they live their life. One of my questions, so let me go back. It is understanding the presence, being present with yourself. You used authentic leadership. How does one know when they have achieved that? Do you have a sense from those who you've coached along the way? How do they know when they're there? Because here's what I'm looking for, Anna Maria, is... Can we describe what that feels like? So I'm going to ask our listeners to do something rather different because this is not a linear learning. Mm, Okay. What happens is when we're in the space of presence, our authentic selves, we can then use words to describe it Mm. when you're in that shift and you're in that space. So I can share with you, it's a spaciousness. I can share with you that from that spaciousness, one automatically has a sense of curiosity. Yeah. One automatically doesn't have preconceived judgments or notions. Hmm. It is a space of kindness. Hmm. Okay. It's a deep awareness and consciousness. And it automatically gives you the courage to be honest. It comes from the heart. Yet the access to our mental functions, our emotional regulations, and to our physical body in a more relaxed, less tense state is visceral. And that's where we're able to make good choices. May not be the kind of choice that your team wants to hear, or people will agree with you or not, but you have this courage and strength. And I'm gonna use another word, that you know mm-hmm. in that moment mm-hmm. is the choice you're going to make. Mm-hmm. It's this deep knowingness. Mm. And you used courage. I love that word. Courage to make decisions because sometimes those decisions are hard decisions. And especially if you talk about at that level, we're talking layoffs, things like that. Very difficult. Right. So it may not be an easy thing. That's not what you're saying. However, when you make it, you know. That's exactly it. And uh, even though it's a tough, but you have compassion. Yeah. There are so many wonderful stories. If you read biographies of, well, Mother Teresa comes to mind. Mm. Dr. Martin Luther King Mm -hmm. telling stories about making tough decisions. Many other people that we admire known and unknown, when they share their stories with you, that even though what may feel like an apparent negative situation, that courage to speak their truth and to do the best they can in that moment from that spaciousness, the outcomes turn out to be pretty remarkable. All great leaders, if you read any biographies, You'll see what may appear as a mistake, but in time turned out to be the catalyst for something really remarkable. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's another word, catalyst. 
presence is being in the moment. It's practicing it. It's being the whole self, bringing the whole self and understanding what the whole self is. My last question for you to guide this conversation is, you know, our audience and what we do at the university partake in knowledge and we disseminate that knowledge. My question for you is this. Do you think that a young leader can be present, can have this, or is that over time? And we'll kind of conclude with that question. So if you want to bring anything else in, please do. Thank you. That is a really very individual question to each person. But if I can maybe give an overview Mm -hmm. uh, about how I look at this, probably because of where I am in my life and the years of living and being around the block. Just like when you plant a seed into soil, and the quality of the soil and the water and all that sort of stuff. And and a young shoot comes up and then there's a leaf here and a leaf there, and then a more mature plant and you have the fruits that come from it. And then you go on to the next cycle. I would suggest that the first few decades of life are that discovering that the ego, the external self, is molded and discovered and adhered to. And then we get to, let's say, the middle years. And many times, you know, you hear about friends or yourself or whatever, where there's this perhaps explosion. You hear about the midlife crisis, and we all go through that, quite frankly, not just then, but many times. And crisis, as much as we'd like to avoid them, with the proper attitude is the catalyst mm-hmm. for getting to know ourselves better and getting better. And then as you get older, this ripeness occurs. Mm. Okay. If one is really intent on uncovering in this presence, their true self and practicing being comfortable in discovering that they are greater than they are, that flow occurs and it becomes easier and easier. Young people today, I find, are remarkable. Mm -hmm. They have an innate goodness Mm -hmm. that they want to share. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say to a young person is, be there. Mm -hmm. When you have that feeling, don't be afraid to use the word love. Mm -hmm. Love for humanity. Love for self so that we can relate to humanity. So that journey of self-love will emanate on how they are present with others. Mm-hmm. In other words, if they're judging, if they are making decisions that are based on what society or their environment is, that's fine. But having said that, if they could take a look at what those decisions are and bring it back to themselves and how they're treating others, the outside world, making those decisions, match it back into their internal heart and ask themselves, how do they see themselves? Mm. And why do they have that opinion? And why do they have that judgment? And that brings you back to this courage and honesty and ideally your true self. Mm. It's pretty powerful. And self-reflection sometimes 
is the hardest thing to do, isn't it? I can vouch for that because I still struggle with that. Yeah. I find myself kidnapped by <laughs> the outer world in every way. Yeah. And so that's what it is to be human. Let's celebrate that. <laughs> Let's ce yeah, that's a good one. Let's celebrate it. Celebrate that. Let's celebrate it. All part of the journey. <laughs> it is. It is. So it's being present. It's the whole self. It's courage. It's shifting, not necessarily a change, but a shift. This is truly the framework for great leaders. It is being in a space in which you can, I would say to students, it's a space if you can wrap your head around it, start trying to do as early as possible. And I wouldn't wrap your head around it. That's the last oh, thing you can do. Okay. But we're so used to saying that. Yeah. I think if I might suggest a different wording. Yeah, please. That we feel it. Oh. That we become aware of that space that is already within us. When we lead with mm. the mind, because we are such developed human beings, we rely on that too much. Yeah. And we cut off the other access to our whole self, yeah. our true self. Yeah. And so that's why yeah. I would say, you know, what's that expression? Thinking is overrated. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> In true. this case, thinking is. is overrated. It is. And it's so. hard. It's hard to go into the heart. And thank you for that, because that is how I speak. And you're right. That is, I believe right now, probably a good time to end this first episode in the, the series of three. And then we look forward to the second and third part. Anna Maria, I really appreciate your time and really appreciate you explaining presence, whole self, and being here today. So thank you. You're so welcome, Allie. It's been my privilege. <laughs>